M1 is the finance super app that puts you in control of your wealth. Invest, borrow, save, and spend your money how you want with sophisticated automation tools to help you reach your financial goals more easily. 2021 is about rebuilding, building health, building wealth, and everything in between. I've been using M1 for years to manage my long-term investment portfolio. M1 lets me follow some of the top performing hedge funds like Code 2 and balance my pie based on what the pros are doing. It's truly my favorite investing app in the world. Go to m1finance.com slash Katoon to get started today and earn $30 to invest after you fund your account. Terms and conditions apply. M1, yours to build. Welcome to Technoy Podcast. I'm Scott Katoon. On today's show, we catch up with Brian Morrissey. He writes a Substack called The Rebooting. He's a good follow on Twitter. He's a, a person that if you are interested in media, you kind of have to know. You know, he was a Digiday before this. Uh, he's been around. He's been in a lot of newsrooms. He's been on the on the business side, on the membership side. He writes a lot about sort of the the business side of media, the the membership subscription model stuff. And it's it's weird. This conversation probably doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. Um, we kind of talked about everything. You know, it starts off with this rant about bicycling and and running marathons, but also the fact that like me as a non-runner, how I view the runner mentality and that like in a lot of ways, it's the same sort of misunderstanding that people have of me, the entrepreneur type who they're like, man, this guy's scatterbrained. He's all over the place. It seems boring. Who would obsess all day and night with little parts of business? It's again, the moral of the story is we're all a little confused. Nobody really understands anybody. Everyone's empathy is just non-existent. Everyone's impatient. And it's funny because I've never put it, like I never thought about it this way, right? Brian and I, Brian more than me, uh, he's 48, I'm 37. So he had a little more time in analog world, but Brian and I both experienced life without a phone. We experienced what we called on the show silence, you know? where you go somewhere and you can't get gotten, that's silence. That's something that most people in today's generation haven't experienced. And I feel like a lot of the people who, are, who have have forgotten it and they're constantly on social. And like, if you really look at life, it's sort of cyclical. And if you look at the way that, you know, society's behaving now, it's COVID has accelerated everything, but it really kind of originates back in the financial crisis of 08 and the mistrust. And it's like the combination of, the society or in America, what you would call the customer, uh, gaining mistrust at the same speed and, and pace that they're gaining information. Whether the information's true or not, I don't know. It's kind of irrelevant. People at the top have always acted with impunity, but it wasn't so transparent. And most importantly, there wasn't anything you could do about it. And now which COVID certainly accelerated the work from home, a little more control. The laborer has a little more power. DeFi, cryptocurrencies, <clears throat> booming markets, more money. The existential question that we did not really answer, but I think if you listen to this craziness, you will feel like you're getting closer to understanding. At least I did. Will we be able to hold the line? Will we waste the COVID opportunity? Can we keep the shitty politicians and the ripoff scam artist CEOs and the people that we have grown mistrust. If you're one of those people, if you're on the other side of the coin, you know, good luck. 
can we hold the line? Can we stay work from home and maintain control? Can we maintain the economy? Can we use cryptocurrency to potentially level the playing field, both financially, but also in media and the ability to control power? That's really the struggle that we're, we're all involved in, whether we like it or not. And this conversation with Brian Morrissey covers all of that while not covering any of it at the same time, which is why I enjoy doing this one so much. So uh, this is my conversation with the author of the rebooting on Substack, Brian Morrissey. The fact that you, a person, and we'll get into your background and all that kind of stuff here, but the fact that a person of your ilk in the media business uh, <clears throat> would choose to write a, a, a split between running and business, I think is a sign of the times that we're in now. Like, can you imagine in the old days of going into any sort of media outlet you ever worked for and been like, you know, I got this idea of this super fucking tiny niche audience that I would like to write a, a little little piece, well, for, a little notch. For. I mean, this is just like kind of a personal fun project. But that, it could work that though. Thinking. That's the, the crazy part is like, yes, yeah. it is. But like what we've learned about all these sub stackers and, and you obviously has a, have a popular sub stack as well. Like what we've learned is you could have a thousand people and it's meaningful. Like there could be, you know, there's obviously more than that that would care about running and, and work. I mean, that there's you know, plenty yeah. of people. But like the more, it's almost the opposite of the old days. Like the more niche you are, the mm-hmm. more you're ingrained into this like one thing. I'm the bike business guy. Like yeah. you could grow a, a huge Twitter following on being the bike business guy. Yeah. Well, I do think that like what's going on with, with Substack and I mean, I like sort of call it the like unbundling of publishing in a way um, yeah. is it's kind of going back to the original promise of the internet, you know, originally the internet promised that it would, you know, the gatekeepers would go away and it would, people would be able to um, publish whatever they want and, and attract audiences. And therefore they would, they would pursue particularly niche areas and passionate areas. And that was the promise. Um, and obviously that didn't really come to fruition uh, for a bunch of different reasons. New gatekeepers sprung up in the form of, of Google and obviously Facebook um, and other areas, Amazon and Apple. But I think that that's what's driving a little bit of this unbundling and Substack is a, an important part of that is because there's sort of a disillusionment overall with institutions and gatekeepers in general. And decentralization is an answer to that in a bunch of different areas. We're seeing it in crypto. And I think it's, it's um, we're seeing it across all the rage. Buzzword so of I, decentralization, DeFi is all Well, over. like if you sort of, I don't know, I've been thinking a lot about in the past year why that is. And I, to me, it's because, you know, we're reaping overall as a society what's been sowed for a generation of inequality. And it came to a head with the financial crisis. And I think people, because we ended up coming back from the financial crisis, even though we didn't, uh, governments didn't address it nearly (laughs) as well as they should have they went into like austerity which is like if you think back it's like insane like with the amount of money that's been created in the last like year like why in the world were people obama like with it was proposing like 800 
billion and people were like whoa that's insane it's like nowadays it's like what like we just Nothing. do that like yeah just go how, yeah, how crazy is that really if you think about it like you know a little more than 10 years ago this thing goes on and it's like what is money 10 years ago to today obviously today it's there's more money but like at the end of the day like 800 billion dollars is but yeah but then they, the yeah they, they learn but i think you know because of the response to that and because of what happened out of that nobody went to jail or anything like yeah. that like and it really shook, it can accelerated, if you will, the shape no. that the, um, the confidence in, or the lack of confidence in institutions, uh, government, finance, and, and, and media um, across the board. So I think, you know, what's happening now out of COVID is another acceleration of these trends. And I think in the media world, um, Substack or people just breaking off into like personal brands, if you will, air quotes around that, of course, please. That is part of the lack of trust in institutions. I think people generally have more trust in individuals versus um, faceless brands. That's why the, the, the marketer people try to give brands humanoid characteristics because people end up trusting humans or in the case of Tony the Tiger, animals. Um, Very more much so. than just some faceless entity, or or the Joe the Camel. He was also a good one. <laughs> Joe Camel, yeah. Was he smoking? Because uh, you know what I noticed with these um, this. Uh, it was just a companion a- while you smoked. He board a- on your yacht club <laughs> is <laughs> like, um, you know, a lot of them are smoking, and I was like, oh no, man, they're going to get canceled. Like the apes are going to get canceled because they're promoting death, cancer, lung cancer. They're promoting a lot of things. Like, and because it's non-fungible, you can't, let's say you bought like some ape for like $8 million or whatever, and he's smoking and they get canceled. Your ape gets canceled because he's smoking. You can't just like go in and delete the cigarette, right? Because it's like, no, yeah, you're locked. It's into, on the blockchain. The cigarettes yeah. on the blockchain. It's immutable. It's you got that, that dude's fired up a heater and you're going to have to be punished for it. That sucks. <laughs> that's, that's, I think that's a flaw. It's a flaw. I, you come, see, I think the problem is you can't bros, go back in and change it. Is the flaw Good that they chose to put a cigarette in the mouth or is the flaw that the blockchain can't be edited, which is the flaw? I, I don't know. I don't know. But it, nobody's talking about it. No, you're, you're I love those, those, those tweets. You know, I, I would love to have, that. you should have every guest say, like, what are your muted terms on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> I think you would learn more about people with that as an icebreaker question. I really should. What am my icebreaker? What am I? What am I? Icebreaker? What am I? Muted terms is like few. Few understand this. I was like, oh, no matter I what, the, I use the shit out of that as a joke. I can't. I, can't. <laughs> I never see it. I never see it. Oh, that's because I don't, I'm not cool enough. My tweets I don't, say don't even Scott. reach you. They don't even reach you. <laughs> you know, what mine is I, I write few understand this under really anything. And usually it is, it's never about crypto. It's always something stupid, like uh, the White Sox are going to win the World Series, and I am going to collect a big check from FanDuel. Few people understand this. It's true, but that is one. Are you, of them. Are you, so wait, are you a White Sox fan? Yeah, I, I don't, but okay. I don't hate the Cubs though. I, I enjoyed the Cubs. Wrigley is by far a more fun uh, fan experience. But I grew up just like the first baseball team I was on as a T-ball was the White Sox. Then I was like, oh, I'm a fat kid. Frank Thomas is my favorite, and then that just unspooled from there. They got like a rough fan base though, right? Oh yeah. I got pictures right? of uh, my last game just pre-COVID at the stadium. The guy behind me was talking and his teeth were bleeding and the girl next to me Good. had no fucking teeth. Yeah, so yeah. like that's. 
I remember seeing like White Sox games and stuff like this. And it was like before it was socially acceptable to have face tattoos. Like there was like, oh, yeah, totally. I saw some more. <laughs> the, like the, the these days, though, it's acceptable. I remember thinking like someone getting a tattoo on their neck. I'm like, my God, you've like ruled out like pretty much most of the jobs you I mean, can have. You remember, with like Kenyon Martin neck. had that big lip tattoo on the side of his neck and he got into the NBA. And this was like right after we got through this sort of a, uh, it was like, uh, Allen Iverson obviously led the whole charge with like Stephen yeah. Marbury and a few players that sort of turned the NBA like we're not going down this road and then he got drafted and he was like number one pick uh ended up not being obviously he's great he had injuries whatever but I just remember seeing that and be like shit like this dude and then yeah. and, you know now it's nothing I mean now it's like nothing. guys on Bachelor in Paradise have tattoos on their face yeah you get it's the post, Mal- post Malone stuff I mean he's like well, he's that's that's a different that you really do have to be musically talented. I don't think there's a lot of jobs except for maybe coding. But I mean, it's been like normalized to like, you oh, know, for sure. I don't know. Like, I mean, I think that's good. I think that's also part of like what's going on. I don't know if I can tie it back to it. No, no. I, I Again, with individuality, I, I just think that overall, one of the big trends, I mean, you know, look, I'm like 48. So I have like sort of a little bit of You look young, by the way. I just want to throw that out oh, there. Thank you. you I appreciate good. that. Well, you know, I live in Miami, so it's like it's you know, there's a lot of a lot of those like you know anti-aging clinics. Yeah. So I'm going. I, I, I'm going to be hooked up to an IV like in a half hour. So I'm thinking of investing in a company called IV. I V E E. I shit you not. Oh, yeah. This isn't a joke. Uh, they're going to be running it's a campaign idea. on Republic soon. Uh, the concept is, as you could probably imagine, uh, setting up these like remote or IV centers, but generally speaking, like practitioners come over and they drop an IV and you can be like giddy up. Yeah. It's like super popular, like bachelor parties and stuff, but just to go back to the running on this, because I, I always say like the real test, if you're like really into like distance running is like, have you had to be revived with an IV? Because if you run enough, particularly in, in, in warm weathers and in races, stuff like this, at some point you're going to like fall over, like, um, due to like uh, a dehydration or something like this. And, and you're revived with an IV. And like, I swear to God, I have been like literally not even knowing where I've been and gotten like a few bags of fluid through an IV and been felt perfectly fine. Like afterwards. So IV is truly, truly work. And if you think about like, you know, that's why they do them in like Vegas, because like, you know, hangovers are kind of similar. I mean, they're, a lot of it is just, just dehydration. So you pump, you pump a lot of fluids into people, and so I think that's a great investment. Big believer in IVs. I don't actually get them on the casual, but um, so you there's know, a place near here and they charge like 120 bucks or something. I didn't end up needing Margin's the IV, but, but this is like good table stakes since you're very healthy, it, it would appear. I went out for, this is a combination of everything you just said rolled into one and then it sort of leaves like who I am as a human, like on the other side. So my buddy is a couple of years ago. Uh, it was his bachelor party and he wanted to go to Los Angeles. I don't know why. Um, and then it is a place to live, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I'd enjoyed LA, but I, I would not go there to like, let it out. And I would also not, I go guess there. I can see that. I don't know. Maybe LA is fun. I like it's LA. Fun. Yeah. But that's not like where you're whatever. Anyway. And then we ended up in San Diego too. So like, which I love San Diego, Maybe. but again, not really make a run for Tijuana. That, that's, that sounds to me like a bachelor party from the eighties. That's that's what I thought was going to happen. It turned out that he had signed us up for a tough mutter on his bachelor weekend. That's, that's some like Gen X bullshit. Right. So I ended up up getting the IV. 
I didn't run the Tough Mudder. The three of them ran <laughs> Tough Mudder, and I sat in the trunk of the car and got fucking. Oh, that's hammered. a good idea. That's a that good was, idea. And the IV went to me. <laughs> that's what I do with skiing because, like, I don't want to risk um, like catastrophic knee injury. And like a hundred thousand people get ACLs every year yeah. from skiing. I'm like, I don't want that because I want to keep running. Skiing's fine. I, yeah, I, I want. So I'm I just really like, I'll meet you at ski. the Apray. I'll, I'll just, I'll just go to the Apray. I like the Apray, and like nobody's like checking like your lift tag, so it's fine. I'll just go to the Apray. Yeah. Sometimes we, you got to do that. That's the best thing about these days. Back in like the '90s, be like, no, you can't do that. Like you have to do the skiing, and like you know, then you go to the Apray. Nowadays, like people are like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, just Why? hit that tree. Why? No why can't I just go to the Apray? You think, so this is like, if you're listening, we, you're like, we've gone off the rails. We really haven't. We're like, <laughs> this is a demonstration. Exactly. This is a demonstration of kind of where we are. Like everything is sort of like this, like there's no rules. I was, you know, like you were talking about the Sox games, like these dudes, the old Sox days used to be guys walking with a cigarette and a Pepsi can and the Pepsi can was going to get you essentially a free ticket to the game. That's how shitty the Sox were. Like, yeah. We've gone from this sort of complete apathy to like super overcharged, you know, cancel culture, worried about everything. And we're still, and like that still exists, of course, but like it's kind of like in the corner, we've kind of forgotten a lot of the cancel stuff. You have to do some serious shit to get the cancel button now. And oh, yeah? like, good. I, I agree with you. We can talk about that too. But like, <laughs> look, Deshaun Watson. I'm can just you talking about myself. I just don't want to get canceled. Deshaun Watson, two years ago, can you imagine in the heat of, of cancel? That's a weird one. He's fucking gone, whether he did anything or not. And now it's like his cards are trending. Deshaun Watson cards are trending on card letter. Like people, yeah. like, and I don't know what's I, going on there. I don't, I don't, I mean, that could be partially just because of the context in which he's operating in a context of the NFL, which is like, I feel like it's almost like the exception to the norm, right? I mean, like a few years ago, I would have said the NFL was long-term doomed. I remember I, yeah. I remember talking with our mutual friend, John McDermott about this. He's, 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 big, into like, he's big into like the CTE stuff and yeah. all the, like the, the cover-up. So, and I was like, yeah, this is going to become like boxing. You know, boxing used to be a, a, a giant thing, and and, uh, and weirdly, this I think this is all Logan part Paul, of it, but, but it's coming are. back now. Whereas yeah. a few, like and this was like when we were talking about this was like seven years ago or something or whenever when the CTE stuff came out, and I was like, it's going to go like boxing. It's going to become a super niche activity, and it's not going to be like okay in polite circles, educated people to to support this activity. Meanwhile, I was totally wrong on both counts because boxing actually came back yeah. and people are fine with like, you know, the MMA stuff. But I think that that's like a reaction to the sort of overall cultural trends. I think um, what we're seeing is it's people, and this is not, I don't mean to be generalizing everyone because there are certainly people that this does not apply to, mostly Trump people, but that's, okay. a, <laughs> that's a different story. Not going there, um, are we? Oh, geez, here we are. No, but seriously, like it, I think there's a general apathy to being controlled. And, and even if you're, you weren't be giving misinformation, feeling like maybe you were, and then being like, well, yeah. fuck it. If I can't trust anything, then I'm just going to do whatever I want. Well, and that's the word that's right there is like, I think that there, there's an, I, I just think about the overall sort of like macro trends and stuff a lot. And, and, you know, the macro trend of loss of trust in institutions is not it is not a a, a right wing or le left wing thing. It's across the board. The, the just the mistrust is in different institutions. You know what I mean. But I think it's like an overall 
societal trend. And so then when you try to like put back together what you, that's why we see such tribalism um, because there's a lack of trust in these overarching institutions. So people retreat into, into smaller groups, sometimes in a positive way. And I think that's why niches are, are getting a lot of, um, you know, tension right now and sometimes in a negative way. And you see this a lot with like the coverage of Facebook and stuff like this. Like I have some sympathy in some ways that I, I, I'm not like going to like carry water for Facebook, but it is a reflection of overall tribalism and, and division within society. I totally agree. I, I think it's like, I've, again, no sympathy, like whatever. Mark's little letter the other day that he posted on Facebook after he sent it to the team was just like, dude, <laughs> Are you, are you for real? Like, do you, I didn't read it. I didn't click oh, on it because I was, I was, long. I was worried long. I would have to log back in and I haven't been on Facebook in forever. I well, think I yeah. still have an account. People are still I'll, posting to my wall on my birthday, I think. Well, that's nice. You have, you know, people who care. <laughs> it's good to know. It's good, good to know. know. It's, it's good to know 32 people gave a shit this week, but. Um, no, see, I started using Facebook when, when like it just. I'm 04. I'm like the OG college version. That's when no. I got on. See, I was like out of college. So I was actually working and like, um, but I was covering this stuff. So I, I used to use a colleague who just got out of college. I used to use his, her his, account her college, uh, and Facebook email. was like, you got to stop doing this. Cause I would like interviewing people that like, you can't be impersonating some like 22 year old young woman. Little, what a, what a so they gave me an account. They what a trailblazer you were. Little they did you know, know you were going to be the was, fake When it was just account. in college, I got an account there. But what happened was when it like really exploded in the ad industry, everyone started using it like LinkedIn. So yeah. like I had, you know, yeah, I, I'm not that popular, but I had like thousands of like, you know, quote unquote oh, friends. Oh, you a person my, and immediately connect on Facebook. Well, oh. yeah, yeah. I was like, because I was, you know if you're like a reporter or editor, like, you know, you're in marketing. And so like, I'm like, Oh, of course I'm accepting any invitation oh, yeah. whatsoever. Cause, and I'm going to use this to like promote my like uh, content. I knew. How that. did that pan out during the election? Just curious. <laughs> All the random well, I, I, <laughs> no. So it, 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 it I stopped using it by then, but like, you were the only one. <laughs> I just think that was like a weird, like 2009, 10, like phenomenon, at least in the in the no, ad and media industry is people using it like for professional reasons, which made it, it made it unusable as at least the product was supposedly Pretended. going to be going to be used. I so, wonder how much that actually hurt the coverage of Facebook because, you know, media people, pro I, this is like a weird theory I'm just thinking about, but like media people, because I think a lot of people in the industry use that they were never able to really truly use Facebook the way it was supposed to be, unless they were smart and like told yeah. people like, oh, well, I just use this for family and friends. I'm sure most people in media have like, had thousands of connections on Facebook and so they didn't understand even the appeal. I, I of agree. Of course it's not an appeal when all your like connections are like enterprise software salespeople and like- Maybe it could be a better experience. I'm not, you know, if you've ever gone out to like a Salesforce no, party, it's, no. it's, it's like it's It's like- I've been to a Salesforce party. They can be, they can be good. That's not what you're looking for. I, I used to want to write a book about like, this is before COVID just going to those, like those like massive, like enterprise software, like summits, you know, like the Adobe oh, yeah. summit, the Salesforce summit and stuff like this. And just spending a year nonstop going to the end, like, Oh, white stripes are playing <laughs> you know, it's like guys in lanyards, like on the dance floor. I don't think I would last the full year, but no, like, there'd be Molly be everywhere take. and it just gets weird. And 
you see people a couple times, it's, it's no good. But you know what, here's the thing, like to your point about the Facebook part, Facebook really is, I think, a great mirror of where we've gone. Because if you think about it, there's the period of time where like I wanted to connect with everybody. That's college, like any girl, any person I saw at the bar, boom, Facebook connection. Like I was sharing shit like you can't even believe, writing yeah. things that are you know absolutely inappropriate now in every respect. <laughs> and then you hit this like period of time where you're like, oh no, it's private. It's just my small group. And I create this stupid group and it's my friends. And then there's that little like 08, 09, 10 world where it's like, you've got people connecting. They're, they're blurring the lines. The, the worlds are colliding a little bit. And then we get into this mode of like 2011 to like, I don't know, 2015, 14, where it's like, oh, you posted something on Facebook. There's pictures of you with alcohol. You're fired. And that kind of turns into the cancel mm. culture thing. And then it's like, that's like, a you know, go to the principal's office. And then we get into this other stage where now you've got apps and stories and things that are uh, that disappear. And that's like the unveiling of like, well, fuck it. I don't even care anymore. And they post whatever they want that and on the feed. And now societally, we're in this position where people are walking around. They don't care. And I think one of the things you've talked about the evolution of sort of going back from the financial crisis in 08 and the government and institutions being not trust or trusted. One of the things that I'm noticing in particular, and I think is a big reason for like the Wall Street bets stuff and kind of the reaction to that and crypto and the whole thing, people are finding out information that they never had access to before. They never learned about. People didn't tell their shit in social media. And you start to find out that the CEOs of companies, which we probably knew always were scammers, well, they didn't know that. They didn't realize that these guys that like were running companies were just completely running amok. Yeah. And because you're sharing stuff on social and it's just so connected, I feel like a lot of things, nothing really changed the government and the people and the institutions, they've always been kind of swarmy, but now there's yeah. this like added layer of transparency that's unintended. Those idiots that run these businesses and companies have no idea how to run. I mean, they don't know what social media is still. They still ask questions to Facebook, like how do you make money, which is crazy. There's a blurring and colliding and an yeah. end result of this. Yeah. Is people just be like, fuck it. Yeah. To me, it's like, as like a 48 year old, like the generational thing is interesting because like people like my age, like it took like being in like companies for like 20 years to realize how bullshit the whole thing was. Oh. Right? <laughs> Whereas like, I think we're like, I think we're pissed because like, like Gen Z and like the young people di didn't have to go through the 20 years to understand how bullshit it all was. And we're, we're kind of mad about that because we had to do the 20 years to understand. And they're like starting at the same place that it took us 20 years to get to that's and so that's we're a mad about problem. we're mad about it i i agree with you and i'm i'm not 48 we're like I'm, you should have to go through the bullshit for 20 plus years before you get to because we're like we're just to the other side of like this now now you're pulling the rug out from us come on we've got I'm, like 20 years before retirement i'm 37 i i went five years of dealing with the bullshit. And I was like, I, I just, I'm not, I can't do this. Like I'm unemployable. I know it. Goodbye. <laughs> I, this, that's a big problem we actually have here is like a lot of these younger people that I talk to for startup land or everything else, they don't, they're not going to work in this environment. They don't give a shit about the money. Although how much do you think that is? I mean, I look, I'm pendulum swings back and forth. Right. Course, and like, yes. we've, we've had like a 
really you could say like almost two generations at this point of the of the pendulum really swinging far to the capital side versus the labor side you know and we're at a a strange place that was really starting before covid but like obviously got accelerated with covid where the pendulum started swinging back to the labor side i know it was hard to hire before uh, for about a year before covid it it then you know because of all the money being pumped into the the economy and the and the supply chain issues and all the rest of this stuff and you see the unionization and finally picking back up and stuff we're at a moment where this pendulum has swung back to the to the labor side it has enabled a lot of you know choices i wonder what's going to happen when that liquidity gets taken out of the market where inevitably, whether it's through inflation or whatever, the economy, you know, interest rates are going to go up. The economy is not going to, this is a little bit of a weird bubble. It feels like right now. It, it does. And no, I, I think you're right. And it's, it's, this is one of those things and something I try to reflect on and I, and things that I write, and I'm sure you do the same, mm-hmm. but it's like, I don't even know how to describe it. So like, I, I know that the world is cyclical and that it, it always kind of swings from one side to the other and it's the haves mm-hmm. and the have nots and it always balances out. Like, I, I, I don't know why this is, but in trends, I always look at it like, we're kind of in the eighties. Like people are like wearing their hair weird and they're talking crazy and they're listening to weird music and they're spending money on fucking ape digital apes. Like we're in the eighties. For the eighties that we're, I'm trying to think back to the eighties. I mean, they're pretty weird. Like, you punk rock is like the rage terminator. People got like purple hair and the spiky stuff and downtown yeah, New York and true. Chicago have kind of their own little weird vibe going. I mean, it's a, also, also a golden age for serial killers. Yes. What a yeah. great time to be a serial killer. <laughs> it was like an actual tangible mainstream concern. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we got criminal minds. It was, it's fantastic. All the ideas came from the 80s. They had all the trains yeah. and stuff got connected and there's no social. You can go kill anyone you want and hop on a train. Um, yeah. But the, like, I guess the point is like, you, you look at the decades, hitchhikers. You get, well, that's very true. Bad. That's that also ruined hitchhiking. That's the drifter. That's, it ruined the drifter, brand side hooking. All of you that. You cannot is. be like, no, I'm not. I, I'm a drifter, but I'm not a serial killer. I know what you think, but I'm just a drifter. It's just a weird coat, guys. It's just a weird coat. There's nothing going on. I here. do some housework in one town and then I just hitchhike to the next town. It's just the way I choose to live. <laughs> if only you were a runner or a bicyclist and you could you'd be able to get around on your own. Um, but but no, I mean every one of these decades sort of has a similar like three decade stretch. It's like super like kind of normal-ish. People feel like a little bit of unity, then it's like a little conservative, a little too conservative, buck wild. Then like a, whoa, let's rein it in. It's almost like, like America's history is like following a junkie around. That's, that's like kind of what it feels like. <laughs> it's like if you could go back to 86 Mets and just walk around Daryl Strawberry and, and Doc oh, Gooden man. for like that like 12-year period where they went from clean to just like, holy fuck. Yeah, like, crazy. Craziness. They got My, after it. They, they surely did. <laughs> My, uh, I love, it's not in this office here. I have 86 Mets, like every card signed PSA 10. That's another show, another story. I remember watching the Bill Buckner game. I was like 12 or something like that. And, uh, and you are old. I'll never you forget it. Good, but you are old. I, I remember watching it like on a little TV in like my room being like, holy shit. They really and I know, and you'd that. be like, holy shit. Dwight Gooden's going to wake up in a crack house in four hours. I didn't think that. I didn't know about that though. That's if you have people haven't watched. There was a lot of crack. Crack was whack in the eighties. Crack so. was whack. <laughs> you know, I guess where we're going with this whole kind of unwinding thing here is it really is like very easy to understand that the world always kind of corrects. 
Yeah. It's really hard. Other times I could see it. I could always see mm-hmm. like, oh, here's what's going to come next. Right now, it's really hard to see how this pendulum finds a balance again, because it's like, it's not just going to be like economic, like slowdown. It's going to be like a fucking boom. At least I think, I, yeah. I don't know how it isn't going to be just like a whole big thing. And then you've got people going from, I'm not going to go to work to, I only work remote to like, nope, mm-hmm. you're coming in the office or we're not paying you a check. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I'm kind of like going to argue against my other point because like, <laughs> I, I like name my, my newsletter the rebooting because i do believe like covid it's it's the it's the crisis that's that's too good to waste and stuff like this and i and we'll see what happens with the 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 giant uh bill going through congress but that's just on the political front um i know people go back to like the 1918 1919 pandemic and we're like well it really doesn't didn't really do much i'm like yeah but it was kind of a different context matter and and you know the overwhelming context of world war one made the upheaval of the great influenza seem not as big of a deal it was also a time i think that people don't like life was pretty brutal then like yeah. I, I was reading something. It was like, you know, people were only living until like they were, the men were only living until they were 48. I was like, as a 48 year old guy, yeah, like you're done. That, I was like, oh shit, I don't like this at all. Not the, um, not the guys who write for a living though. Those guys lived well into I don't think 60s. there were as many people. There was no sub stack back then. Like it was <laughs> like, I would have to be like, I don't know, doing manual labor or something. And like, thank God. Um, although it would be good for the upper body, you wouldn't. Be I would far. probably be crippled and dead, though. That would be yeah. The that's downside. the downside. Um, but I would be, you know, tawny and like, you know, it would be a bigger box bigger that they would have put you in. I have a bigger, bigger forearm. Well, no, because like it was back then, I wouldn't have the nutrition. So I'm like, what, like five nine? I'd be like what five three or something. Oh uh, well, I'd be like one of those little good game. Home of cooking guys. though, home cooking, yeah, lots of lard. True. That's true. Big, big boy. That's true. Um, but I think it's going to, I do think this is like a bit of an inflection point. We could, could I do think it's going to take like so long to, to pan out. And like you said, like, I think what's going to be a, a big deciding factor is, is what happens, like whether this inflation stuff is transitory or stuff, or whether we're in for a roaring twenties or like a, 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 another recession because of too much money has been pumped into the system. I think it's an interesting time. And I do think that you only get to like really reevaluate your choices when you you're forced to like stand still. And, and we were all forced to stand still. And I feel like the, you know, we saw this early on with the boss class, as I call them, trying to force everyone back to the office. And I think that was a tell <laughs> because they were like, uh-oh, we can't get people thinking too much. Like yeah. we can't, because it's like, this is going well. This is good. Wait, this is going too well. This is no, we don't like this because we need people in the office because the office is where we have the meetings and the meetings are where we get to sit at the head of the table and nobody really questions why we have our positions of power. And like, yeah, it's all about control. I mean, this idea that it's like, oh, and I used to be this, this, this person. So I speak from the inside a little bit. I hope I wasn't a terrible version of it, but you know, the, the truth is the office is like a symbol for the hierarchical nature of work that, that dehumanized people. Yeah. And the reason that the boss class wanted to rush everyone back to the office is because they don't want people to understand that there is an alternative way of living. I, like, I want to offer want one more reason. Uh, as, a, as a married man, happily married man, 
I got to be a boss in my office. I have employees and I, I had people who would let me go speak on stages. I got to be a boss. Mm. You know how, uh, how much I get to that at home? Zero. I am absolutely at the bottom of the totem pole in my yeah. house. It is two small children and a wife and a dog and they're all above me. And I don't get to, I don't get to have any of that power anymore. And I really yeah. do think that that's an influence. I've talked to several guys who are, you know, big influential bank kind of guys that live down here. And they're like, I kind of liked going back to the office where I legitimately like was yeah. a per I was somebody. Yeah. It's like, co it's like cosplaying. Like, you know, bit, you, just yeah. like, you get to like put on a costume, like a, and like, I, I really, go in, I think it's a real thing. I think that these guys bustle like, through like a, a train station or is like, Oh, I've come out of pocket. I've got, I and mean, like, you know, <laughs> can you imagine like being this big banker boss person and you're sitting there and it's like, all of a sudden you wake up and the only way to get someone to like do anything is to like do a zoom call in their bedroom. They could give a yeah. shit less that you're on the phone. They're wearing sweatpants. It's no I also wonder if it's like, like we can't scratch too much because like we start to realize the utter bullshitness of like the entire economy. Like, you know, because like I, I've always had this theory, like most, you know, companies don't need like 25% of the people necessarily in them technically. Like, because like most of what, if you really abstract it, like a lot of what goes on is like the appearance of work, not actual work. It's like the meetings and the planning and the ideation and stuff. It's like, we're not actually doing anything. We're, we're organizing, we're spending most of our time organizing in order to talk about doing thing. Like, and there's not really much economic value truly being created, yeah. but that helps the, the bullshitness helps the economy going. It does. Yeah. Go I mean, careful. It's like down here in Florida. Like I remember they were like, they decided to crack down on uh, money laundering at some point in the 1980s. And they were like, Miami is the locus of money laundering. We're going to crack down on that shit. And they started running the numbers and they were like, okay, wait, we got a problem. The money laundering is way bigger than we thought. And if we stop the money laundering, like Miami's gonna, the entire Miami economy will like collapse. Real estate was being driven by money laundering. So they're like, we can't totally crack down. And there like lies things... why Mayor Suarez is so big and keen on crypto. <laughs> big shot. Yeah, it's a new money laundering. Like anyone from laundry. Miami, they look at like crypto, like normal people look at crypto and they're like, ah, I don't get this stuff. People in Miami look at it and they're like, they don't know proof of chain, proof of stake, proof yeah. of whatever. They're like, oh, oh yeah, this is money laundry. We got, we, we know this. Oh yeah. I, that, I'll tell you this. We're going to pivot to the final, final frontier as we run out of time here. The first thing I'll say about the crypto thing is we've talked about this offline a couple of times. I think you were, yeah. you were originally looking into crypto. I look first at the people who, who got it the quickest and then think about those people for a second. And they were always like the person in high school or college or whatever that had like the scam a week and was like, knew the dealer, always the guy, like always running the bookie, always like, that's who- Party, that's the party promoter. Totally. <laughs> but that's who got it. Like it just is. And I'm like, all right, that kind of tells you what you need to know. And then there's the coding tech side of it, which I'll never be smart enough to understand. But I, I do think that like, one of the points you just made, you had actually made a couple of really good points wrapped up in that. One of the points you made, talking about unraveling the economy and how things change. I think one, if there's anything that has altered during COVID, I shouldn't say it altered during COVID, COVID really pushed it forward. When you make people move remotely and they're working on tech and everything is DeFi and you're building technology kind of the way we are, you increase the speed of change. Things happen just lightning fast. And I yeah. think if you go back to like the, you know, we're talking about the 1910, 1911, 1920, like 
things were slow as shit. Like a run could be a decade or eight years and people are like, Oh, you know, whatever. Now yeah. it's like months that like 10 years then is like a month. We're but here's go- the thing that I, I, I think it's interesting to have, like, what are you like? 30, 30 37, 30, 37. Okay. So you sort of like, you had a little bit of analog childhood. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I had like a lot of analog child. We didn't have cable. Okay. Um, so you had, so like we had one. So you TV. get it. Like, yeah. I mean, you think about it. Like I kind of feel bad a little bit for the people who um, didn't have an analog childhood. I feel terrible degree. for them to be totally honest with you. Like, like I, I, really I joke about like how, like just not having cell phones, like, and, and like life was so much about like randomness and serendipity, like, yes. and you know, it led to some like weird things. Like, you, you know, remember like, silence. Yeah. <laughs> the silence for it. Just the idea. Or, like the just... fact that your parents would just be like, go outside and play. Like, just that's like, like that, that was like sort of the plan. And you like, or even like in college, and it's just it would be like, alone. oh, what are you doing tonight? And it's like, oh, I hope to run into you at like, you know, McGillie's late yeah. night or something. It's like, I have no idea. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Maybe we'll end up somewhere else. It was, I mean, that was, I thought that was the enjoyable part. I thought like, I got a cell, I obviously had a phone in college. It was one of those flip shit phones that didn't do anything. Never worked. Like dropped yeah. it in a beer mug. So it was always a problem. But I also think that people don't understand, like there's like some, de- like, I just remember like the anxiety of going somewhere to you were meeting up with someone somewhere and like you had no idea if they would show up and you had no way of contacting them. Yeah. I guess Tinder is like that, except that you can obviously DM them, but then you got to pay. I mean, you would just be like, yeah, if you were having some like date and you were meeting someone at like a Barnes and Noble or something like this, she might just not show up, but you would, she might just be like, delayed on the subway but you have no idea and yeah. so you have to like do i stay do i do, i'm, I'm just gonna be honest up? i don't want to sound like the old man yelling at the at the machine but i really genuinely miss it i have been I telling my wife like part. on the weekends and during like after work hours like i have to be on slack with people all the time because you got people working in different places whatever but like i really i'm not saying no phones no social i'm saying like take the phone turn the fucking thing off put it in the drawer i don't want yeah it. i know I don't want, but again, it's like the pendulum will end sweat. But I mean, like, even like as a kid in the 1980s, like your parents sometimes would forget to pick you up because that was just the sort of way. I would go to a payphone, I would dial, I would do 411 collect and go pick me up. Pick me up, pick me up. And then they would answer the phone like, there's a call from pick me up. That's the real thing. Because parents like acted like you like took out like a third mortgage, like by like making a collect call. Oh, it was like, it was like 15 cents. How crazy you're so spendthrift. Like what? That's insane. I don't know. This is before, this is before magic money, I guess. I don't know. I guess, you know what? Like, I don't even know if I were to come back and try to title this episode. I'm not sure what I'll do, but it's, this is like walking through the history museum. Like that's what this, this episode is like. And I, I, I really actually think it's been valuable because I I hope people understand that, that we're all like, everything looks like it's one way and then pendulum swings back and it's another way. This is a little unique. COVID, as you put it, is like the reboot, like your Substack. There is an opportunity here if we don't screw it up to sort of reset society in a way that maybe is a little better for our lifestyles. I think it would be a shame to screw it up, honestly, because I think we like, I think broadly almost like no one agrees on specifics now, but I think broadly most people like actually agree on it. We're at a weird time where the biggest issues facing us in some ways, there is broad agreement. Everyone broadly agrees about inequality. Everyone broadly agrees that we have to address um, climate change. 
everyone broadly agrees we need like a more sustainable economic system. Like, don't we help climate change if we if we're not driving to wherever we're going five days a week? It's not probably a big con. I mean, I think it'll be. It a, oh, I mean, it'll be a little bit of it, sure. I mean, but there's so much more. You know, economic activity depends on on industrial on stuff energy, and, all, yeah. and so you know, like. Yeah, it was nice to see nature like revive in and around cities um, during the sort of lockdowns and stuff. If there was a nice part of it, it's not sustainable, obviously, and we need economic activity. I mean, look, economic activity is not a bad thing. The number of people lifted out of poverty in the in just the last generation has just been unbelievable, um, and so that has to continue. I think the problem gets like. Oh, so you don't want any economic growth? It's like, no, I just don't think that like 127 people should like have more wealth than like the 25% of humanity. Like, yeah. I don't think that's a good faith um, argument. So, I but I think broadly most people agree, and it's just about like figuring figuring out like how we can use this weird period of time in order to not just sweep all these problems under the rug, which we tend to do. Unfortunately, that has been uh, the past history. I wonder, wrapping this whole thing up here, of course, waiting to the end to ask the too big of a question, um, the, the role that media has played in the past, the ability to sort of cover everything up uh, or exploit things and actually expose the right things, like all of those sort of roles. Do you feel like with with the ability for a person like me to bullshit on a Substack, and a person like you probably has a little bit more validation to, to Substack. Do you think it can positively impact things or do you think it is going to just continue to perpetuate the problems we have? Wow. I don't know. I mean, I, I waited till the very end to ask yeah. you the biggest question, um, like a great podcast look, host would. Look, as I said, like, you know, the New York times is engaged in this new project that they have about rebuilding trust, right. In media. And um, I, I hope that that this group that they have together, I know a few of the people in there, you know, um, in it, really also looks like internally, right? Like it's really easy to blame others for like the lack of trust and stuff, and like having self awareness is really valuable. And I think people in the news media um, don't generally have a lot of self awareness, um, and they Correct. they generally blame others, whether it's blaming Trump or blaming Facebook always blaming Facebook. Facebook cetera, is a great one to point at. Um, but the media media industry has to really look into its own self and like whether or not, you know, the way it is um, building its businesses and approaching its coverage is in part responsible for some of this, this alienation. It's very easy to point fingers at other people. It's very easy, but you know, the reality is I think Substack is a symptom of where reporters are sort of breaking away and stuff like this of, you know, rejecting that what, what newsrooms have gone, newsroom culture has become really difficult in a lot of cases. Um, you know, I don't know of other workplaces that are as dramatic right now as like a newsroom. And I don't think it has to be that way. Um, but that's the way it is. And there's a lot of, and, and a lot of this is like, a lot of publishers are reaping what they've sowed over the years of, um, of fostering their own inequality within their, their organizations, of, of not having newsrooms that reflect the communities that they, they cover. Um, and these raw feelings are all coming out. Um, 
And a lot of it is because they've had shitty business models. So fix the business model and you can fix a lot of these problems that are causing, um, you know, such unhappiness. Do you think and that a lack will of trust? Happen? I mean, I'm hopeful that it, that it will. I don't, I'm not like a Pollyanna or something like this and think that, oh, if we all just like hold hands and it'll be great and everything like this. I think the unbundling can be a good, a good thing for, for media because it can be rebundled in, into something better, something fairer, something more sustainable in a sort of maybe know enough to be dangerous kind of thing. Like I do think like, you know, crypto has a role in this. I mean, I think the ideas behind DAOs are really interesting when you think about how to rebundle media into, you know, flatter, fairer collectives in which you stop treating the audience as a product and not only treat them as like members, but treat them as like investors, as, as part of the, um, entity of having an interest in it. Like I live in a condo complex here and there's, there's a condo board and stuff like that. You know, it's like this property sort of runs itself. Why shouldn't this happen? I've seen firsthand how ownership structures within publishers can lead to a lot of problems because there's an inherent unfairness in it. And, and there's a tendency to treat the audience as a resource to be exploited. I don't think you could say it better. To be honest, it's like the rebooting. The co- this is what we were kind of getting at, right? The COVID thing. Yeah, it took like us changing. an hour. It's good. Yeah, it's you know. We'll <laughs> it's good. Some, it's we'll a long lead up. We'll need. Yeah, we'll do some editing. <laughs> we'll we'll no, move it around good. a little bit. I had um, fun. <laughs> no, this this is great. It, it really does. Like we are in a this kind of weird spot where like we can make those changes if we all decide we want to stick to it. Let's do it. I w- I would like to also. Brian, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, Thanks, Scott. A long time to chit chat here. This has been a ton of fun. We've covered just about everything in life. Uh, yeah. Where do people go to follow you? Where Where should they subscribe and and get you paid? How do we get? You- uh, check out my Substack. It's therebooting.substack.com. I haven't hooked up my like, you know, whatever URL yet. I did it. Um, I undid it. It wasn't worth it. It's oh really? Okay, good yeah. to know. I send it out weekly. It's free. And um, I monetize it through some very tasteful and effective. I believe a, a curiosity company is one of your supporters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go visit One Day University. They're actually pretty interesting. I, I, I had, I Give do. Us the pitch. Give us the pitch. One day. Well, yeah. one day is. I never. I didn't understand it. The the founder like contacted me. I was like, what is? I was like, this is like a master class, but for like you know people who want to are more interested about learning about the Civil War than like how to make a mole. And, but, you know, they've got a, a whole library of courses that um, are taught by like, you know, people that, that lecture at, 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 at Harvard and Yale and Stanford and the rest of them. And so what they do is they partner up with publishers in order to bundle in like a trial subscription, a free trial subscription of one day with the, with the publisher's own subscription program. And what that does is it, it, it raises the perceived value. Cause I, I know this, you know, we we're, I was in charge of the membership program at Digiday and like, you're always trying to raise the perceived value of, of your, um, of your membership to get people across the line. Cause it just increases your conversion rates, but then it can also be used to like mitigate churn and stuff like this. You get people who are about to churn. You're like, Hey, you know, if you re up now, you we'll get give to, you free shit. And, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. You get this sort of free thing. And for one day it's, it's, it's good because these are, everyone needs, everyone needs like to have a trial bucket. I think that's the thing. Like you always have to have a trial bucket of people in it who are on, low cost to no cost plans. And then 
those people then a certain percentage, hopefully a high percentage convert into full paying members. That's just the way. Just like this podcast, the first 56 minutes, it's free, but that four minutes at the end. Yeah, let's do it. That's that question at the end is where they pay. We'll set up a DAO. I'll get a cut. You're welcome to it. Look at that. We got, we got a live read for your own, your own advertiser on this show. Thank you uh, so much for taking the time, Brian. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks Scott. If you're interested in self-directed investing from startups to crypto and public markets, my Substack is a great way to learn how professional investors screen review and pull the trigger on deals. Join the largest community of micro investors and startup founders on Substack by going to katoon.com.